This is the Mentor Shift Podcast, coming out every second Thursday with Mickey Fahair. Welcome to Mentor Shift, man. This is Mickey Fahair, your host. Today's show is brought to you by Mindset Maps International. Mindset Maps International has developed, based on 20 years of research, an amazing tool called the Mindset Map Tool. If you go to www.mindset-maps.com, you can also take the Success Mindset Maps Inventory, which allows you to map out your current mindset in relationship to a specific business goal or life goal that you have right now in focus and compares it to that of very successful purpose-driven entrepreneurs such as Anita Roddick who founded Body Shop or you know Steve Jobs or Mohammed Yunus who was an amazing entrepreneur is an amazing entrepreneur in India and started uh, the microcredit uh, business there so it's a great opportunity um, because we take you know mindset for granted we think that if we have a goal we have the right mindset for it but many times don't we realize wow you know if only my my mindset would have been a little different i would have done it so i encourage you to try the mindset maps tools um, and it's again at www mindset-maps.com also if you like our show if you like what we're doing please give us a good rating give us a review and also subscribe on your uh, favorite podcast platform to mentorship so that you can always hear firsthand very quickly you don't have to do anything please join me in welcoming Kwon uh, Yu Yang, and uh, I'm very happy to have you here from the lovely city of Canberra, Australia. And I know that you're a global citizen, you are um, a public speaker, a Toastmaster participant. You have moved up on the World Championship uh, twice, each time second place. And I know that you want to win the first place, so we're going we're gonna to have to talk about that. <laughs> And then I, I also understand that, you know, you lived around um, in, in Guangzhou, China and started a elite pay performance marketing company there. And then you are now more involved in public speaking, coaching and leadership work. You have your own company and which I really like. You're an ultimate Frisbee specialist and enthusiast uh, to the level that you represented Australia in the championships. Uh, Twice, right? Was, yes, was, was, that was, was is that correct. Right? <laughs> Thank you for making me sound good. <laughs> my, my pleasure. It's easy <laughs> with, <laughs> with this bio. Right, right. So what, what else is, you know, maybe something interesting to know about you that I, I haven't said? Oh, something interesting about me that you haven't said. I've recently picked up... <laughs> I recently picked up the ukulele. I've only oh. been playing it for two or three weeks, but it's been sort of fun. It's my new skill that I'm learning. If you asked me 20 years ago, I'd be like, ukulele, that sounds so uncool. 
but now it's like oh this is fun i can just do this and it brings me joy simple joys love it love it that's that, that sounds like fun and um you know I wanted to actually start with this question that a lot of people are dreading public speaking. So, you know, some people like you, you're obviously fascinated by it and, and, and you love it. And I just wanted to hear it from you. Like, how did you get into public speaking? How did it all start for you? Yeah, I mean, for me, when I started, I never thought I would have a career in public speaking or communications coaching. It's never been at the top of my mind but the reason why i've gotten here i think is because i've seen a lot of change or seen a lot of growth and i've understood more about myself back to your original question how did i get in public speaking so i grew up as a little chinese boy in australia where a lot of the people around me were caucasian australians and i always felt really shy and unsure of myself i mean even in asian culture people don't tend not to speak up and then being in an australian environment it was a challenge for me to to speak up or to talk to people when i got into the workforce my first year after i graduated i realized that if i wanted to do well or progress in my career i needed to be a better communicator or a better speaker And it really hit me the day when one of the highest executives, so the second below the CEO, he came in for this group presentation. Right. And everybody who walked into the this big, I would say, hall, people were pretty negative and unsure of what was happening because I was in the aviation industry. And in the aviation industry back then, there was like SARS, there was 9-11, people didn't want to travel, and it was a bad time to be in the aviation industry, right? And then the CEO comes in, oh, sorry, this executive comes in, he speaks to us for 20 minutes, and at the end, everybody's really positive, everybody knows that the company's going to survive, and I was like, oh, my goodness, this guy's like a magician. He just spoke, and everybody's persona or emotions just change and I was like if I ever want to be a CEO or do well I need to have those skills and that's where I started practicing and learning more about public speaking yeah yeah that makes sense I mean as you say as a leader you need to be able to take people with you and one way to take people with you is is through giving speeches and being inspirational as a speaker and You know, the Toastmaster organization is, 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 is really a, a peculiar and interesting organization because it's, it's all about public speaking globally and they have championships. So how did you get into that? Because I think that's quite a jump. Like, you know, you start out as a shy boy. You know, I, I got to get these skills if I want to be a leader. But then, <laughs> you know, getting into professional speaking. So that's one more step further. Yeah, so what happened was I... Joined Toastmasters to develop the skills mm-hmm. so I could become more confident. I then moved to China. And when I moved to China, I didn't have an outlet where I could really use my English or to speak to people who were speaking English. Right. And so I joined Toastmasters just to find some friends who were English speakers because I was feeling a bit homesick and 
it felt weird moving to a new city where I could barely speak the language. Whilst I was at Toastmasters there, I found out there were these contests. I entered these contests. There was a humorous speech contest, a, what they call an evaluation contest. I actually did quite well in the contest within China. Then when I was back in Australia for a holiday, I was telling people, oh, you know, I, I won these contests in China. And they were saying to me, you're cheating. I'm like, what do you mean I'm cheating? And said, well, you're using English in these contests, but you're in China where everybody's a right. second language speaker. Right. So you have, a unfair I have an advantage. unfair advantage. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, I never thought about that at all. And then when I found out there was this other speech contest, this international speech contest, which was a contest with people from all around the world, I went, oh, I need to try that because I need to prove to myself that I can speak in an audience which is international from all around the world. And I think that was important for me from a personal perspective because, like I said earlier, I'd grown up being really shy, not being sure of myself, and then in the workplace, I wouldn't be able to speak up because I would feel like my opinion wasn't required. Mm -hmm. So I needed to prove to myself that I could actually talk to people from all around the world and engage with them. Right, right. nice challenge. And uh, yeah, I'm curious, is when you learn to speak professionally, does that actually boost your confidence? I mean, I, I totally understand that as a speaker, you become more professional and you're more confident in speaking because you're used to it. But does that actually transfer over to other areas of your life, you think? Definitely. I think it definitely helps in, in many ways. I'd say the, the first thing it helps is that you're confident on stage. Right. But even being confident on stage, after a while, I was confident on stage, but once I got off stage, I was still shy. Right. right. But what I found was because I was confident on stage, more people would come up to talk to me, and I actually had to talk to more people. And it did feel uncomfortable at first, all the small talk and trying to connect with people. But as I got more experience, I found that I was building my confidence in having one-on-one -on -one conversations and small group conversations. Right. And that's it's just as important as speaking up on stage, right? Speaking to people in a one-on-one -on -one smaller group, that's in itself is actually a skill and public speaking as well. Right. So that's something I definitely learnt. Mm -hmm. In terms of the whole contest, it also helped me understand more about myself as a person. So what were my values, what were my beliefs, and what made me tick? And once I understood more about myself, it was then easier for me to feel confident around other people. Right. Very interesting. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I, I sort of expected that you would say that. And, you know, I want to ask you, so, so can we go as far as to say that speaking is for everybody and, you know, everybody should give it a shot because, you know, it, it has so much value in terms of making you more successful, more marketable wherever you work. But it also, you know, like if you're confident in speaking, as you said, you're better off building uh, rapport with people. So one-on-one, -on -one, you can do better as well. Yeah. I mean, every day we wake up, we get out of bed and we speak to people. 
right. whether it's over Zoom, it's on the phone, we're always communicating with someone. So it's, it's about speaking and it's about listening. And we have to be, be able to do both. It's not just what's up on stage. So I think a lot of people think public speaking is standing up on stage or in front of a big group of people. I like to just think of it as speaking and we just need to be better communicators with everyone. Yeah. And it, it, so, it makes a yeah. huge difference. And the thing is, everybody can communicate. Everyone can speak. We do it every day. We speak to our moms, our dads, our friends, our colleagues. And it's just taking those skills that we have and then making sure we can do it in front of a group or even just fine-tuning these one-on-one skills. Like everybody, everybody probably knows somebody mm-hmm. who rambles for way too long, right? On a one-on-one conversation, it's like, oh, Kwong is talking for so long, I don't want to speak to him today. Right. But if I can be really concise with my message, then when I go to a party, when I go meet people, people are like, oh, I can't wait to talk to Kwong. He's got something exciting to say. I can't wait to hear his story. Yeah. And that's something that we use every single day. So... You know, like it sounds simple and easy and it makes sense. You know, everybody should give it a shot. We are giving it a shot, no matter, you know, whether we are purposeful about it. Like we have to be speaking all day, as you say. And all we have to do is just practicing or fine-tuning those skills that we otherwise use, as you say. So why is it that so many people dread it? I think people dread it because they dread the idea of being judged. Mm-hmm. they dread that idea of being judged and i think it goes back to what i was saying earlier when i understood what my values and what my beliefs were and who i was as a person i didn't care so much about how people looked at me and so that fear factor or that idea of people judging me slowly faded away right? okay. so people still will still judge me but i also know that there's a lot of great things about me where people can connect with. So I think Mm -hmm. if if you're out there and you can make someone laugh in a conversation or if you're out there and you have friends, then it means that you can connect with someone and there are great qualities that you have that people like. So Mm -hmm. don't be so scared about how people judge you. Be who you are build that connection obviously you don't want to be someone who's arrogant or anyone who is sort of insulting people but you will have qualities that you want you can connect with others makes sense right so one of the other questions that i wanted to ask you is if you think about you know the professional speakers um in toastmasters or the people who kind of make it to championship level do they tend to be like, is there a um, total equity in terms of female and male speakers or are there more male speakers? And I, you know, I, I don't want to like prove that Toastmasters is not <laughs> doing everything for um, diversity, but, but I think it's interesting just to kind of think about this. Yeah, I, it is interesting. I would say that when you reach the final stage, the mm-hmm. finals, from the ones that I've participated in and watched, there are usually always more men than are there are females. Right. So, so, will, so right. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So that's making that final stage. Now, 
there are many stages. Yeah. And I would say at some of the different stages, though, there are actually more women. So, for example, in China, there are definitely, I feel like there are more women who participate and more women who make it to what we call the, the semifinals in, in those countries. Right. right. But when you get to the end, it feels like there are usually more men who make it to the semifinals or finals at the international stage. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So would that mean that there is something masculine about public speaking or you know, what might be behind this? I think for the ones who make it to the finals, mm -hmm. easier for a guy to build that onstage charisma or that captivation. Right. It might be their voice. It may be their physicality. It could also be their willingness to just let go and mm -hmm. not care as much. So there's a bit of that masculinity confidence or boost for the ones who, who make it to that level. Right. I feel like it is harder for a lady. However, if a lady does it, it's going to stand, stand out a lot more. So there are a lot of powerful women speaker out speakers out there totally. who just captivate, yeah. and mm -hmm. but it's a very different style. Mm -hmm. It's a very different style. So if you think about Sheryl Sandberg, she's a fantastic speaker, and she's very calm and very poised. Mm -hmm. I think the thing is with some of the Toastmaster speakers, there is a bit more body language and it's a bit more expressive. Right. So when a lady does it it may not look as natural, but a lady could do a very sort of powerful speech and a powerful story, but it's judged in a different way when, when we talk about Toastmasters and, and the judging ballot. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I hear you. I think, you know, I, I have heard some pretty powerful women speakers and um, to me, what, what's interesting, and I'm I'm kind of looking at things through these lens of, masculinity and femininity because I actually believe that your gender um, so whatever you identify as your gender doesn't really have doesn't define your masculinity so you know there are multiple masculinities in the world and you know there is I, I, I totally believe that there is African-American masculinity there is um, Asian masculinity, there is European masculinity, American masculinity, but then that again, you know, those are very generic terms and every individual has the choice to kind of create his own masculinity and, you know, use feminine elements. Cause I think some of the things that you mentioned, like, you know, sharing a story, opening up or showing vulnerability, those may be actually considered more feminine traits traditionally. And, and I think as a great speaker, you need to kind of be able to bring all that in. W would you agree with that characterization? Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely agree with that. I would also say that there's this element of having to connect with people emotionally and mm -hmm. to be have that emotional intelligence. Right. Now, historically or maybe in general terms, I think, women are stronger in the emotional intelligence area. Absolutely. And yeah. for men, it's like, oh, why, why would I want to connect with people's emotions? What, you know? And so as a speaker, you're right, as a, 
as a male, we need to be able to connect with that emotional side to understand how people feel emotionally. And we need to be able to connect with that if we want to be good communicators. Right. How did you learn that? So, you know, emotional intelligence, like how did you learn to be in touch with your own feelings and other people's feelings? Maybe, maybe it was something that you were born with, but I'm curious. <laughs> I don't think I was born with it. Mm -hmm. I think being an introvert or being a shy person, right. a lot of the ways I learned was through observation and observing people. Right. And so the more I observed, the more I would see facial expressions, I would hear how people spoke, and I would have a better reading or a better understanding of people's emotions. I mean, growing up, again, as that little Chinese kid in Australia, it was almost a survival mechanism. I didn't want to get bullied. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to get bullied. Right. I knew I couldn't be the cool kid, so I would be the kid who nobody would hate so i would try to work out how do i make sure people don't hate me so i don't get bullied right and i think just that way learning and observing and talking to people really helped were you ever you know like as you grew up it's probably as you say a pretty challenging position to be uh, a little chinese boy in, in in australia even though you would think that the society is embracing, you know, immigrants and it's, it's a very kind of open society, but it is challenging because you're different. And so as you kind of grew up, did you ever intentionally think about, you know, what kind of a, a boy do you want to be or what kind of a man do you need to be to succeed in life? I think I was thinking about this mm -hmm. the other day and there, there are definitely sort of two things that which were in my mind and this happens for anyone who is either growing up in a different culture from what they eth ethnically are and i think it's not whether it's just me chinese it could be somebody who's japanese growing up in brazil or brazilian growing up in the us or usa person growing up in dubai for example but this whole idea of there's the culture of your surroundings, your environment, and there's this culture of your background. And that was often very hard to try to work out because, for example, in Chinese culture, there's a bit more about being quiet, listening to your elders, about the man looking after the, the family and the being the main provider. And then in the Western Australia, the Australian culture, more westernized culture of, you know, speak up. If you have an idea, speak up. If you do disagree with something, speak up. And uh, this idea of male and female being equal right. to many extents or being more open to that and your wife or your female partner also has a career, also has a dream. And so just trying to work out where I sat in that spectrum and what was right and what was wrong. Right. And, and were you able to, to work that out? So like bring in, you know, all the values from here and there and, and yet reconcile it in a way that it serves you? Yeah. Over time, definitely. I think I've, I've worked out what is, is best and what's easier for me. Uh, but again, there is still that disconnect for me. So for example, I was living in China for, a long time for about 10 years right. right so 
when I was in China, I finally understood, oh, okay, this is what Chinese think men are or this is what women think a man should be in a relationship or this is how a guy should act around his friends. And then now that I've been back in Australia for the last couple of months, hmm. it's like, oh, wait, the way I think about how people, couples should be in a relationship is totally different. Right. right. So in, in China, for example. Yeah, what are some uh, ex, you know, examples of that? Because I was curious. Example for, so for example, in China, a guy and a girl, they could be, if they're together, they're almost always together. A, a guy would go pick them up after work. Uh, a girl wouldn't like if a guy had too many female friends and a guy probably wouldn't like if a girl had too many female, female friends. Right. Or else in Australia, for example, it's like if I'm a la lady or I have lady friends, they're really independent. I don't have to work out what they're doing. They've got, they've got their own dreams. They've got their guy friends. So they go out for drinks or dinner with their guys. So I'm not going to get jealous. And the lady's not going to je get jealous if a guy hangs out with their female friends. And you're not going to hang out and be together all the time. It's like we mm -hmm. both need personal space. Right. Let's just you know have have dinner a couple of times a week. Yeah, so it's very different in that in that sense. No, and so you have to you. flip and change that mindset. And do you, do you feel at home in both, or do you always feel like a little bit of an outsider in both, or like what? What's your <laughs> sense? <of? laughs> I I feel okay in both places. I mean, right. What I've come to realize is that. If I have that mindset of, oh, I need to fit in, then I'm never really going to fit in. Hmm. But if I have the mindset of everyone's going to be different and there's no perfect person, then I can just be myself in that environment. So there'll be Chinese people in China who feel like they don't fit in. You know, they're not rich enough or they're not cool enough or, or whatever. And they don't they feel like they don't fit in even in, in, in China. Right. So it's it's really changing that mindset and thinking wherever I go, there are going to be people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different experiences. And everyone's an individual with all these great experiences. We're all humans. We have all those same qualities. We need to feel loved. We need to provide for ourselves to, to survive. So the basic qualities are the same. We'll have our differences. We're all people. Yeah, and it's just yeah, right. living that way. Right. Right. I mean, I really like the fact that you've decided, you know, in one of your speeches that I was listening to, um, which has won you second place uh, in the global Toastmaster competition, you know, you talked about making a decision and going back to China and learn, um, going to Beijing and learn, Cantonese or, or you know Chinese, right? And so um, that's kind of a big decision. And you know, you you live in a um, melting pot country, and you know the United States is also a melting pot country. And 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 we are very proud in these melting pot countries that you know we have one country, you know, one people. You know, it doesn't matter your your, your color and ethnicity. And you know, it, there's something beautiful about it. But I think there's also something beautiful about, you know, going back to your roots and speaking the language that your parents spoke and understand the way, you, you know, your ancestors spoke. So could you share a little bit about, you know, 
what do you think is the value for you to be able to be more grounded in the Chinese culture and speak your language as well? Yeah, I th- it's it's definitely important to know more about your background. Like I felt more calm once I understood more about myself and and where I came from. It helped me understand my parents a lot more, mm-hmm. which really helped with our relationship. Right. Because my parents obviously came from a different background. They moved to Australia and then they're living in Australia. So the way they think is going to be different from the way I think. So understanding my background helped me understand them. It helped me understand my whole family. And I think that's that's really important. In terms of learning the language, you ex- you get to explore more. So living in China, if you don't speak Chinese, you can survive. But if you can speak the language, you can learn so much more about the culture. You can get more out of it. And I think just being able to unlock the door to find out more about anything is is just an amazing feeling. I will, I will go traveling to India, for example, and I wish I could speak some of the language or to understand more about the culture because then I would be exposed to a lot more experiences. Hmm. I'll go into a restaurant and I'll order the same thing because that's the only thing I know that I can order. But if I had an Indian friend who was with me and they would say, oh, we should try this and this and speak to the waiter, all of a sudden I'll have this amazing different feast, which I would never have had a chance to to get to. And so understanding a different language opens your doors to everything. And if you can understand more about yourself and where you come from, that's, I think that's an amazing feeling. Right. Right. No, no, I I couldn't agree more. And, you know, there are so many men that I work with and, and women. And, you know, I always ask, you know, where are you from? What's your name? What's the story? And, you know, you get to hear amazing things, but very often, by the way, what you hear is, well, you know, we came, came from Russia, but we don't speak Russian or we came from, brazil but we don't we don't we no longer speak portuguese at home and people seem to know very little about their you know like ancestors and culture and i think as you say i mean there's something about understanding where i come from and then feeling kind of easier about the world and more more you know curious and you know i no longer have to fit in because i know nobody fits in we're 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 all so different yeah yeah, no, totally agree. And again, if we go back to the idea of emotional intelligence as well, I think it helps with that emotional intelligence side as well because once you're more curious about understanding different cultures, understanding more about your background and realising that different people come from different backgrounds, like there's this whole idea, I would say there are two levels. There's this level where, all right, we understand that the people are from different backgrounds. Right. Everyone knows that. Everyone thinks that, oh, I'm not going to judge this person because of their different background or they they believe this because of that background. Everyone knows that. But then to really truly understand it is is really different. Like to really truly understand, oh, that person's from, from Russia and you know, they've got all these different experiences, or this is how their parents grew up, which is totally different from mine, but it helps explain many things and I can really understand that and I can find out more. 
that feeling is totally different. Yeah. There's understanding and really understanding. Really understanding. And and I think learning the language. So, you know, anybody who is listening tonight or whenever they're listening to our our podcast, I think if there there is ethnic background in your family, which almost always there is, it's it's a really good idea to understand more about that culture. Because as you said, it's going to help you understand your parents better. And guess what? If you understand your parents better, you understand yourself better as well, right? Because yeah. uh, there's, there's a connection there too. So, you know, it's not often that we have a, a silver medalist speaker on, on, on mentorship. <laughs> so I wanted to take advantage of the, the opportunity and, and sort of ask you, you know, what, what is one thing that you would suggest to people you know, we've got a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds, but almost everyone, as we said, will need to be able to speak up and voice their opinion and, and, and speak on different levels. So what's what's a good thing to where, where do where do we start to to progress? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think one of the most important things for me, being someone who's spoken all around the world in different countries with different groups I think one of the most important things is really understanding your audience, understanding your audience, taking your time to understand your audience, because once you understand your audience, then you know how you can take your message and tweak it so that it aligns with the audience. Right. Okay. You need Mm -hmm. to, build that connection with your audience and align and build that rapport with your audience in order to get your information across. If you just speak based on your cool message, but you don't build that connection with your audience, your audience isn't going to listen to it. So this could be as simple as finding out, all right, is it 80% women in the audience and 20% men, Hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Or is it 90% men and only 10% women? Or is it in your audience, are you speaking to people all from China? So they may not be native English speakers, so you may have to change the words you use. You may may need to slow down. Or are you speaking in Europe where there are different Europeans? And again, what's, what's the mix? Is it British people? Is it German people? Is it mixed from all over Europe? Right. Uh, in, in the United States, West Coast versus East Coast. I know that there is a difference in personalities and the way people speak. So how would you tweak that information or your delivery style so that you can connect with your audience better? Right. So yeah. I think that's probably the Number biggest one. thing that people can mm-hmm. do. Uh, in terms of how people do that, there are a few ways. There's one, if, if you're speaking there must be somebody who's organizing it. So ask the organizer to get some background about the audience. The second thing that I like to do is I like to go to events early. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I go to the event early. I just look around. I talk to people. I try to get a gauge of what people are like. I ask them questions either about them or their peers in that area. And so I have a better gauge of, of the audience. And this actually has an additional benefit so that when I actually go speak up on stage, I actually feel more confident and calm because I've met people which I know are in the audience and I feel like I've got friends in the audience already. So I'm mm-hmm. speaking to them and, and they're nodding their heads, so I feel confident. Like it. 
Micah. Uh, that brings up the question that, you know, let's say you know that you're going to be speaking, you show up early, you know, you do some research before and when you get there and you speak to people, as you said, and so you, you develop some relationships and get a feel for the room. So do you actually adapt your speech? So like, because often people believe that, you know, when we see politicians and others speaking, you know, they're reading stuff. So how much of it is really like spontaneous that you adopt as you go? I would, how do I say this? I've changed over time in the way I deliver. Mm -hmm. I used to write out my scripts and have it very formulated. Right. Whereas now it's more what are my dot points? What is mm -hmm. the rough flow? Right, which allows you more flexibility then. Which allows me more flexibility. I still know what are the points I need to hit. And if I veer off on a tangent, I still know how to come back into the into the main messages and the main frame. Now, obviously, this also you have to take into account how long you're speaking for. So if you're speaking for 10 minutes versus an hour, like you can't for an hour, it's really hard to script it and to learn it. And you don't want to be robotic. So dot points are probably the best way, knowing the ma major points you want to get across and the flow. Mm -hmm. And that will help you adjust to the audience or anything that's happening. Right. I would say there's one, one more little tip. I'll give one more little tip is that mm -hmm. you can still stick to what you have planned, but as long as you add one or two things which look like you've adjusted to the audience, then people will feel like you've made it just for them. Right. Right. So we could is, be speaking and then I'll say, you know, maybe the previous speaker was talking about dogs or something and then I bring in some of his topics into my presentations and all of a sudden you've built that connection or there's a theme for the, the conference. How do I take some of that and add it into my presentation and people will feel like you've just done it for them. Yeah, that, that, that sounds way more tailored than just kind of coming with a general message. Love it. Yeah. Okay, thank you for sharing those um, tips. And um, maybe one last question. I, I was wondering, you know, you mentioned that, you know, the ability to have fun with the audience, you know, or a sense of humor is really instrumental and, and, and helpful. But, you know, people think about the sense of humor as, as something that is kind of a, you're, you're either born with it or not where does sense of humor come from and maybe maybe you can share i don't know if there's a, a funny story or, or or something that that was kind of like the funniest thing that ever happened to you as as you were traveling the world giving those speeches oh i i don't well firstly i don't think that we're born with humor i definitely believe that's something that we can learn mm. and that's become better at i wasn't a humorous person I still don't think I'm a humorous person. I can make people smile and laugh every now and then, but I don't think I'm a humorous person. If you have ever made someone laugh or made someone smile, you have that ability to continue that and to be humorous in your own style, in your own way. 
if you've never made anyone laugh or smile in your whole life, then maybe you're not a humorous person. But I don't believe there are people like that out there. I think everyone's made someone smile or laugh at some point in time. Right. right so it's polishable. Good news. Yeah. I have hope. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. Yeah. You have you just made a comment there and you made me laugh. So it's really, it's really simple. If if people want to learn it, I mean there are books out there, you can watch TV. Mm-hmm. I think the easiest way is this is what I tell people. It's it's again it's through observation. Right. If you laugh mm-hmm. or if you smile. Think about, huh, why did I just laugh then? What did Mickey just say to make me laugh? Right. And, and then sort of you can take a mental note. Right? You don't have to analyze it in the spot, but you can take a mental note. It was it the situation? Was it an environment? Was it what he said? Was it the timing? Ah, okay. And then you can think about it. And so when you're hanging out with your friends and everybody's having a good time, oh, Joe just said that. Why did Mickey laugh? Why did I laugh? Yeah. And again, you can analyze it. And then slowly you'll start picking up things and you'll start realizing why people laugh. And when when you make people laugh, why people laugh. And then you start developing your own style. Great, great. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, I'm really hearing many times today this idea of listening, observing, right? Like as, as kind of the key to come across the way you want to come across. So it's interesting that it's not just preparation. It's not just perfection of your message. It's not just how much of a super person you are and how super funny you are. It's the connection, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all about the connection. If you learn how to connect with people, then you can start passing that information or, or sending that information through to them. And that's, yeah that's the most important thing and in order to build a connection you need to mm-hmm. understand people yeah it's it's not what we say that people receive it's what they decide to receive that they will receive so if you can understand how they receive information how they get information then you can communicate with them right right and it all starts with engaging right like you can't sit in the room you can't just you know stand in front of the mirror and practice and practice it, it it happens in the action as you said you know showing up early opening that conversation putting yourself out there so yeah i think that's a lovely message for for tonight uh, and for today so thank you so much for being here and and sharing your wisdom and are you going to go for um the um the first place are you still planning to do that <laughs> <laughs> I I will eventually. I'm thinking this year whether, as in for the next contest season, whether I will take a break. We'll see how it goes. I'm sure there are many people going, yay, Guang's going to take a break. (laughs) For for me, when I enter the contest, now it's not so much about the winning. It's about what I'm going to learn through the journey because it's quite a long journey. It's a couple of months. So I want to make sure I'm learning something. And I want to identify what I'm trying to learn. So we'll see. If I can work out what I'm going to learn, then I'll definitely join. Otherwise, I may just take a break and put my focus in my ukulele or, or something else. Great. Sounds like fun. Thank you for being here again. And good luck if you decide to compete. And I think you know what you just said is, is, is a good closing 
uh, ending statement. You know, it's it's not just about the winning; it's it's about the journey and what you're going to learn on the journey. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Gon. Thanks, Vicky. Have a good one. Thank you so much again for listening to the show. I hope you had a good time and you come back to us. Please don't forget to subscribe and don't forget to give us a good rating. If you're interested in some individual coaching, check out www.mantorshift.com. Mentorshift.com. And also don't forget to get your mindset map at www mindsetmaps.com says www.mindsetmaps.com and I hope to connect with you virtually pretty soon again bye for now